Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at etrade.com slash Vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Just a quick warning to our listeners. Some of the material in this episode, it is upsetting. It is emotional. We just wanted you to know before you get into it. This morning, we have news of a passenger plane crash, 148 people on... When a plane crashes, there is always an investigation. Well, the National Transportation Safety Board... Now going to be leading that investigation. Trying to figure out exactly what caused this crash. It was just Researchers listened to recordings of the pilot's last words. They analyzed the remains of the plane to figure out what went wrong. And then they go back and they change the rules. New protocols or more insulation or better air traffic control. Car crashes are different. Traffic is a little bit heavy behind the accident on BNA Boulevard. When there's a fatal car crash, it's an everyday thing. There is certainly no federal investigation. Car crashes are seen as the price we pay for having convenient transportation. This is The Impact, a new show about how policy affects real people coming from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sarah Cliff. And in this episode, we are going to talk about these two different approaches to disaster, but not on roads or on runways. Instead, we are going inside hospitals, and we're talking about two little girls who developed a serious condition known as a central line infection. Line infections can be deadly, and as recently as a decade ago, most hospitals treated them like car crashes. Hundreds of thousands of patients got them each year. Hospitals, they just thought it was unavoidable. These days, line infections are much, much more rare. They've plummeted over 10 years. And most of that is thanks to one doctor in Baltimore. He didn't invent a new drug or an expensive new tool. He just made it hospital policy to treat line infections like plane crashes, to investigate each and every one. That fundamentally changed the way lots of hospitals provide care with major implications for patients all across the country. This is Nora Bostrom. Back in 2013, she was three, going on four. She loved Swedish meatballs and learning how to read. In this video, Nora's wearing reindeer pajamas and has her hair up in this messy ponytail. Her mom, Claire, is nearby, handing her pink flashcards with letters printed on them. We're missing one more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm 
Her dad, Thomas, is there too. He's from Sweden, so he's speaking to Nora in Swedish. And that beeping you hear in the background? That is the sound of a hospital monitor. Nora's at Lucille Packard Children's Hospital in Palo Alto, California. Around there, it's just known as LPCH. And she's in this bed, propped up by pillows, with an oxygen tube hooked up to her nose. That's because Nora was born pretty premature at 25 weeks. She weighed just one pound and four ounces, and her lungs were not totally developed. That led to long-term complications. Nora spent a lot of time in the hospital. When Nora was two, doctors put a tube inside of her body, a central line. Basically, it was a tube that ran in through Nora's chest, up along a big vein in her neck, and down again, close to the heart. The line pumped medicine into Nora's bloodstream, medicine that would help her lungs grow. And it stayed in there permanently, so doctors didn't have to keep sticking her with IVs. But central lines can be tricky. If they get infected, they pump that infection straight into the bloodstream. So when they're put in and maintained, everything has to be extremely sterile. That means gloves and clean tools and masks. I mean, I remember, I I can picture the nurse's face. I remember at one point saying she didn't have a mask on. Claire McCormack, Nora's mom, she says she remembers seeing nurses touch buttons with their gloves. And she worried those buttons weren't sterile because that would mean the gloves they were using on Nora's central line wouldn't be sterile either. And I know it's hard because all of a sudden you scratch your nose, you touch your hair, and you don't even think about it. But you know what? That's our daughter. One day in 2013, Nora's parents were checking her line and they noticed something weird. There was this little lump on her neck. When Nora started holding her neck at a funny angle, her parents brought her into the emergency room. The doctors there figured out she had a central line infection. Nora was sick, but she recovered. And Claire remembers the doctor saying this was kind of just par for the course. It just happens. You know, this happens sometimes. Except then, it happened again. And again. And again. Four times in one year. You know, they kept telling us, oh, it's just because the disease is just progressing. Nora got weaker. Before the line infections, she liked to jump up and down on her bed or race down hallways in this little push car that she had. After like a couple of uh, line infections, she rode the car down the hallway from the living room down to the bedroom. And then she clearly didn't feel well. And she said, "Um, my heart tells me I went too fast. Nora's heart was pounding. Eventually, she just couldn't get around on her own anymore. We got a wagon, and so I would carry her in the wagon, you know, down to her room. She couldn't walk down to her room. After the fourth infection, this was in November 2013, Nora went into septic shock. Claire spent several days in the hospital with her. Then, on November 22nd, a Friday, she remembers Nora asking to play with this little bucket of water. I was like, okay, Thomas, you know, like, pull the chair over or whatever. And Thomas said, like, I think... I think if we move her to the chair, she might die. And that's when I I realized, like, she wasn't going to make it. And so Thomas went out to get the doctor, and I had a little bucket of water. Mm -hmm. And Nora put her hands in. I think just the effort of that was, like, too much. And she just, like, turned to me and was like, hold me. And so I picked her up, and she, like, put her arms and legs around me and her head kind of went back and she was sort of like gasping to breathe. And, and then she, she said, 
please help me feel better. And she just grabbed me around my neck, like so, I mean, I can still feel it, like so much strength, you know, like just squeezing me. And then she just basically lost consciousness and just kind of slipped away. We can't say for sure that the line infections killed Nora Bostrom. She had pulmonary hypertension, which can be deadly all on its own. But we do know that the infections weakened Nora and that she suffered from them. And all the evidence we have suggests that LPCH reacted to Nora's infections like car crashes. They told Claire that infections just happen. Not all hospitals think this way. After the break, we're going to tell you about another little girl named Josie King and how Josie's hospital experience kicked off a massive investigation, a plane crash-style investigation that changed how healthcare works across the country. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at eTrade.com slash Vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. This is The Impact, a podcast about how policy affects real people's lives. Before the break, we told you about a little girl named Nora Bostrom who suffered from four central line infections at a hospital in California. Now we're going to the other side of the country, to Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, where we'll talk about another line infection and another little girl, Josie King. This was in 2001, about a decade before Nora was born. Josie King was 18 months old, and she came to Hopkins with terrible burns from a hot water heater. The hospital gave her a central line as part of her treatment. That line got infected. There were a couple of complications with Josie's care, and she ultimately died. At that time, the doctors at Josie's hospital believed the same thing as the doctors at Nora's hospital. That central line infections just happen sometimes. I was one of those doctors causing those infections. 
This is Peter Pronovost. He is young and energetic with this kind of beautiful Disney Prince gelled blonde hair. Nowadays, he's the senior vice president for patient safety and quality at Johns Hopkins Medicine. But back in 2001, he was one of the doctors who treated Josie King. The year anniversary of her death, her mother came back to the hospital and said, could you tell me Josie would be less likely to die now than a year ago? And at the time, our rates of infections were sky high. Peter thought, okay, we keep saying these infections are just the cost of doing business, but what if infections are actually preventable? He started reading through mountains of research about all the things doctors are supposed to do to maintain a sterile environment around central lines. Then he looked at a review of Johns Hopkins doctors, and he found that most of the time, doctors weren't following the rules. Peter saw one really simple fix. The research recommended that doctors use a bunch of tools to make sure central lines were sterile. But at Hopkins, doctors had to go to eight different places all over the hospital just to get those tools. The caps were in one place, the gowns were in another, masks were in another. So in 2001, Peter brought all the caps and the gowns and the tools together into a single cart that doctors and nurses could wheel from one room to another. Everything you needed to take care of a central line, all stored in one place. We took eight steps down to one, and lo and behold, our compliance rate went from 30 to about 75%. More importantly, it cut the infections in half. Peter kept pushing further. He took those mountains of research about how to prevent central line infections and boiled them down into a simple checklist. Then he told the nurses, you need to call doctors out if they don't follow this checklist. That did not go quite as smoothly. I literally caused World War III. The nurses rebelled and the doctors rebelled. There were all sorts of issues with the doctor-nurse hierarchy and all these bruised egos everywhere. But instead of backing off, Peter totally called them out on it. So we pulled everyone together and said, is it tenable that we harm patients at Johns Hopkins? And everyone said, of course not, Peter, we can't. And I said, and do you agree that the items on this checklist are evidence-based, that we ought to use them all the time? Yes, of course, Peter, they're from the CDC. So I said, okay, then our egos aren't going to get in the way then of giving patients safe care. Nurses started pushing doctors to follow the checklist with every central line. Six months later, the infection rate was down 70%. Then Peter put in place what he describes as the final step to eradicate central line infections at Johns Hopkins. The hospital started treating each new infection as a plane crash. That meant every time a patient got an infection, the hospital would look into it, figure out what went wrong, and come up with some new procedure to prevent it from happening again. But this was just one hospital. In 2006, Peter partnered with the Michigan hospitals to do a statewide study. Hospitals brought in his checklist, and three months later, more than half of the hospitals had zero infections. They kept the study up for an entire year, and the infection rates stayed down. The results were published in a medical journal, and hospitals all across the country started adopting Peter's checklist. That's how you get the dramatic decline we talked about at the start of the show. A decade ago, there were hundreds of thousands of central line infections every year. 
These days, there are just 9,000. That's still higher than doctors like Peter would like, but it is a small fraction of where we were 10 years ago. To put it into context, before we started our work, these types of infections killed as many people in the U.S. as breast cancer or prostate cancer. Between 2009 and 2014, we had a 50% drop in central line infections all across the country. The government estimates that saved as many as 6,000 lives. The drop is tied to Peter's model and its plane crash approach to line infections. It has been taken up by hospitals all across the United States, like Roseville Medical Center in Sacramento. If you have an episode... You go in and you pick it apart and you do a root cause analysis and you say, what went wrong? Debbie Dix is the director of oncology at Roseville. We're in her office, which is cluttered with all these papers and books everywhere. She has a rack of tea and she really likes to decorate with signs with cutesy sayings like, stupidity is not a crime. You are free to go. Debbie read about Peter's work in medical journals and in the early 2000s, she decided to bring it to Roseville. Just like at Johns Hopkins, there was some turbulence. It didn't happen like everybody woke up one morning and said, we're going to play perfect in the sandbox all the time. We had people resist, and we presented the evidence and put on our big girl panties. We've heard this before, right? Hospital doctors can have pretty big egos. But Debbie kept going to doctor supervisors and saying, this doctor is not doing the thing he needs to do to prevent infections. And what's your argument? I'm so smart I don't have to wash my hands? I mean, is that going to be your argument? Debbie says it took almost three years, but the culture at Roseville totally turned around. These days... It is about the meticulousness and the follow-through, the follow-through, the follow-through. We cover it in plastic just as one more safety, protection, infection control. When I was at Roseville, they let me watch two of their nurses insert a central line into a patient. This is the same procedure that Josie and Nora both went through. They had this whole choreographed routine where they put on their gowns and their gloves. They made me wear a gown just to enter the patient's room. But even still, there was this one moment I got a little too close and they shooed me away. Obviously, none of us wanted me to cause a central line infection. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. Tell me what to do. So, but you, can, you just can't be anywhere yeah, yeah. over the field. Okay. They wore an extra layer of gloves. I'm do is because my hand is not sterile, I touched the tourniquet. I'm going to take my first glove She out. pulls off one pair of gloves, but the underlayer of the glove is still on. Now I'm still sterile. We're compulsive around here. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to come quite as close because I'm not sure about When Roseville was setting up Peter's checklist, they looked at why infections happened, and they found one of the things that prevented infections was having the same nurses who insert the line maintain it later on. So they set up a new policy. These two nurses who inserted this patient's line will be the only ones to use it going forward. The nurses at Roseville will admit they are compulsive about the safety around central lines. But that compulsiveness, it pays off. Roseville had zero central line infections from 2006 to 2013. That's seven years, zero infections. But people are human and mistakes do happen. In 2013 and again in 2016, they did have a couple of infections. Both of those lapses kicked off investigations, which led to new policies and retraining. Sometimes bad things happen. A human made an error. Sometimes bad things happen, but they don't happen 
every day and they don't happen because we had 10 this year, so that's pretty good. I mean, people use the airline industry as the standard for this and the checklist and the meticulousness and you can get into any plane and it's all the same. You can't accept good enough. Claire McCormack, Nora's mom, she knows about Josie King. She knows that after Josie died, her mom went to the hospital. She talked to Peter Pronovost. And she knows that led to a huge change. Peter created this plane crash approach to infections. After Nora died, Claire wrote a letter to Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. She wanted to tell them about all the things she had seen. The nurses who didn't wear masks or touch Nora with unsterile gloves. Dear Ms. McCormack and Mr. Bostrom, I am writing in response to your letter dated November 7th. She read us their response. Unfortunately, the placement of central lines is associated with a risk of infection. There is a risk of infection, even in the best of circumstances, which can never be entirely eliminated. We understand and recognize your feeling regarding Nora's care, and we apologize that you were dissatisfied with your experience at LPCH. Again, it was a car crash response. Infections just happen sometimes. Claire and her husband ended up filing a lawsuit against LPCH. They settled outside of court, and part of their settlement was a meeting with top executives at the hospital. The CEO and the chief medical officer told us that things have changed, so I hope that's true. Claire says there were supposed to be follow-up meetings, but those haven't happened yet. And lately, she feels pretty discouraged. It makes her sad to think about the reaction that Josie King's family got. This is something that has been torturing me because I wonder, did my daughter get worse treatment because they didn't like me? Was I too pushy? Was I, you know, not pushy enough? Was I, I don't know. And and if I were a better advocate, would would somebody have listened to me sooner? Would somebody have listened to me now? I mean, I, I don't know. It's all about human beings, you know? Claire is right. This is about human beings. Hospital staff are just people who can and will make mistakes. Some of those people work in car crash hospitals, where those mistakes are seen as the cost of doing business. But some of those people work in plane crash hospitals, where each mistake is investigated so it never happens again. The difference between those hospitals isn't some brand new technology, it isn't an expensive new drug, and it isn't one pushy mom. The difference is policy. One more thing. We did try to talk to LPCH for this story. They initially agreed to an interview, but didn't give us a specific date. We gave them a month, we followed up periodically, but we didn't hear back by our deadline. A few days later, we did get a written statement from their chief medical officer, Dennis Lund. It said that, quote, Since 2013, Lucille Packard Children's Hospital has implemented several patient safety initiatives directed at reducing hospital-acquired conditions, including central line infections. His statement says that central line infections have fallen 41% over the past two years. He also said, and this seemed to be the key change to me, Quote, we won't be satisfied until preventable harm is eliminated. Any car crash hospital, it can become a plane crash hospital. It just takes the right people constantly doing the right thing. 
Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of The Impact. If you missed our first episode, go back in our feed, check it out, and tell us what you think. You can always email us at impact at vox.com. The Impact's producer is Bird Pinkerton. Our editor is Amy Drozdowska. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. And our co-creator is Liz Sheltons. We had music and engineering help from Miles Ewell. And a special thanks to Johnny Harris on our video team who helped collect some of this footage. Also, we are still collecting those emergency room bills I told you about last episode. You can learn more. Go to erbills.vox.com and send us your bill. It would be a huge, huge help to this reporting project I am just getting started on. Leave us a review, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and send us your thoughts. Impact at vox.com. Next time on The Impact, we have technology to change DNA. We have a machine that maps brain activity. So why are doctors still communicating by fax? A government official set out to kill this outdated technology. Not, not that there's some, you know, conspiracy going on. But things didn't go exactly as planned. A lot, <laughs> obviously a lot remains to be done. We'll see you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at eTrade.com slash Vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley.